You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn and you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the quantum leap? Here's Parisha. Greetings. This is Quantum Leap Book Club. I am your host this week, Parisha, and I have my co-hosts with me, which this week are Marianne Love from Melbourne, Australia. We have Alloway, who is with us from Sydney, Australia. We have uh, we do we have somebody here from the United States. Okay, so we. <laughs> we definitely have Trina Cooper, who is with us from Denver, Colorado, in the United States, and myself today from Arizona. So what we're going to be bringing with you is we're starting a new book this week, and that's Biocentrism by Dr. Robert Lanza. Okay. And I guess he's been actually co-authored with Bob Berman. Okay. And we want to introduce a new word. It's a word... I heard about it actually in a conversation with a few scientist friends of mine who made mention of Lanza's work and then actually asked me if I had seen the book, The Biocentrism, and I told him, no, I hadn't, hadn't even heard of the word, okay? So at this point in time, I, the book is what we're going to explore. And we are asking you, our, our listening audience, to come with us in the book. What we discuss on the program itself is a general, a very general overview of a certain part and section of the book. Sometimes we call them chapters. Many times my co-host and I will refer about a particular part in that chapter. But I feel for you to actually get from the book what we are hopeful that you will get from the program is that you follow the book and how it adds to you because you're reading the full uh, offering of what the book has, okay? What we may do is just give you little appetizers and little bit pieces of where we particularly focused in the the, the reading of it, okay? So, and, and we feel that's helpful because we're giving you many different aspects of uh, reaction to it. But again, we're not saying that what we give you each week is a replacement for you actually getting with the book and listening and reading the book with us. And that actually, we encourage you to go to our, um, you, I think it's that we, do we have a site? I think we do with LOA. Sorry about that. I'm vague on that. But I know we do have a Facebook and we do have a, a little bit place where you can make your comments. And I'm always that. Now, those of you who are commenting directly to me through Parisha Taylor's uh, Facebook, as well as uh, what I do with you on teaching. I, I appreciate every bit that you give me. And I'm just looking for you to come, some of you who have been a little reluctant, kind of stay hidden back there in the, the back of the store watching us, step forward. You're important. In fact, you probably have more to add to it than we would in any given week. So please come forward with us and, and give us whatever your reflection on it is. And the other part is, is what I'm seeing in some of the communications I do pick up is that some of you might not agree with what the book's saying. I love that. I love that. I would not see that as controversial. And I, when I reply to you, I say, please do not try to apologize 
Okay, for you to apologize for your opinion or your particular response is to say in yourself that you are taking away from the importance of it. I don't think so. I think it's real important that you show your reaction to it or you agree or disagree. It isn't a matter you're making wrong or right of anything. This is how you see it. And I trust the individual that you are and how you see it is something I wouldn't have if you didn't share it. So it's important that you share whatever it is you see in opposition. I don't see it as opposition in a negative way. I see it as you see something beyond it. And so whenever I hear any of you come coming forward with what you don't agree with, do not apologize for it. You're allowed to say you agree or disagree. And I'm very supportive that you see something in it that doesn't strike you as quite right or that you actually see it a different way. So please, at, at any given point, know that whatever you have to share has purposeful meaning to us and that we're really interested in hearing from you about it. Okay, now I'm going to start this week with actually allowing, okay, Trina, we'll allow you to start us off this week by actually talking to us about the introduction and what you have picked up about our author, Robert Lanza. And what do you, what do you have to say? What, what would, how and why would you encourage our listeners to get the book and kind of read along with us, so to say? Um, would I, hi, <laughs> yeah, this is Trina. And what I got out of looking at the introduction and um, and our author, Robert Lanza, is, I mean, first when I saw the word biocentrism, I was like, what, what is that? Because <laughs> I really, I was like, okay, so I've heard of biodiversity and I've heard of bio this and bio that, but I was like biocentrism and I had to kind of break it down. It's like bio is life. Um, centrism, it, it comes from the Greek word um, centron, which means center. So I was like, oh, this is just life-centered idea that things stem from this. And what I love about this idea from um, Robert Lanza well, first off, he is this amazing new world thinker. And if you think about all the people in the world who have kind of thought out of the box and come up with controversial ideas, they generally make a huge shift, a huge paradigm shift in the way the world begins to look at things and view things. And he has so many credits to his name yes. and, and he's been quoted so many times I was like, who is this guy and how come I haven't heard from him, you know, about him over time? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, he made the front page of Time magazine. He's one of the um, what was he? It was the, like in 2014 Times 100 list of the most influential people in the world. 2015, one of the top 50 world thinkers by Pro Prospect magazine and. I'll let the other co-hosts bring out a little bit more of some of the things that he's done, but he's worked in stem cell technology and he's looked at, um, he's looked at cloning and he, he's like in the middle of so many things that involve yes. life. And what I really loved about this whole idea, because he's kind of brought this idea forward of biocentrism is that we should be looking at the biology and looking at life. And that we should be not just engaged in physics and theories, and we should not be based in just chemistry and stuff, but really looking at life and consciousness as the beginning of 
really how we create our own reality. And we've talked about that on the show a lot. We've talked about these ideas from different people. And he's actually bringing more of the science into it and why he's thinking that looking at life and looking at the connectivity of life and looking at consciousness, that that's where everything begins. And it's a total, as they put it, an outside-in look at, at a new view of science. And, and so if you jump into physics, you come from it from that point of view. If you jump into chemistry, you come from that point of view. So it's a pretty, I just think it sounds really exciting. And I'll let some of the others add their points of view and add some of mine, you know, coming forward in a bit. <laughs> All right, sounds good. I want to make mention of Bob Berman. Now, Bob Berman's work, I am very well aware of. He is a very well-known astronomer, okay? And I'm sure that Lanza used his particular input because he gives credit for it on the front of his book, okay, with Bob Berman, all right? That definitely what he says is how life and consciousness are the keys to understanding the true nature of the universe, so he's coming at it from the universe particulars in there. I don't think he could have asked for anyone that could talk about the universe as far as astronomy better than Berman. Okay. So I think the two of them have done a masterful pulling together the information they want. And when you're saying biocentrism, like you said, looking it up, I did the same thing you did, kind of broke it down with bio. And then I even went to scent. S-E-N, okay, C-E-N, and changed all of that around. So I've come at it from about seven different directions, okay? And when you look at it and he's discussing the universe, what we really need to look at, what we get out of this book, is that he's putting us in as that universe. In in discovering the universe, we're discovering ourselves. And in, in today, like I loved how you pointed that out, Trina. Okay, you can come at this from physics or quantum or how, you know, what, what is your major uh, network looking at and lo looking for? What's your interest? Okay, and it wouldn't matter what that is. It's just your path to the center. And when he's saying biocentrism, when we're talking about the center of the universe, we're talking about you. And I love how this... Uh, I'm looking, I have not read this book. I'm going to be reading it with you as is looking to how this book helps me get deeper in touch with that. At 82, I have been a student of this all my life and to look at another perspective on it excites me. So looking at it and, and knowing, like I said, that Berman has been part of the lines in this book will definitely intrigue my interest to go further. And again, I say to you, the book itself, please, you'll have time between now and next week when we get on to actually have the book and join us in the discovery of that. I'm going to ask you, Marianne, uh, to actually come in there from Melbourne and give us what was your take on discovering and looking through this book? Well, I've really just started like you, just started reading and trying to understand what he's talking about. I feel sometimes I need a science degree even to understand his bio. This guy is amazing, really, in what he's achieved. I've had to look up every word of his bio to understand what has he done with his life. It's, like, amazing. Um, I'm excited by this book. I feel like it's um, going to really highlight the fact that consciousness is what creates reality. And that there isn't just a reality floating out there in space in our existence that doesn't have a connection to 
a, a living, a consciousness awareness. So I feel like this is going to be a game changer for lots of people. I think this is a space we've been talking about with you, grandmother, for a, for a long time, but he's got a science behind this and he's got a way to describe it as a theory. And I think it's interesting that he comes from biology, he comes from such a scientific perspective that he's looked at it on a cellular level and he's the guy that manipulates cells. I mean, he's he's into nuclear transfusion where cloning, like he he's he was pioneering cloning, one of the first to clone um, you know, that's been documented. Yes. Like he he's a real scholar in so many areas and he's hung out with like he he hung out with Jonas Salk. I think he was the polio pioneer. Um B.F. Skinner was a psychology pioneer. Like he's really, where he learned was from the masters, really, back in the 60s and 70s. Um, so it sounds like to me he gravitates towards the best. And then in all of that, um, he's really managed to put that together in in really interesting ways. I agree. I agree. And, and uh, you know, he, like, when we were reading Barry, uh, Barry Goldstein's book and stuff. Yeah, we I love it when I find books of these little, these little glitches in time space that are called people that have taken into, uh, you know, just dived into life, looking and checking and turning over every stone. And definitely, Lanza's showing that he's done that. Okay, like you said, to look at his bio and all the interest levels he's pursued. You would have a hard time saying what what if you know if somebody asked me what is what kind of expert is he I'd say in everything everything that he's interested in he's become an expert in because he doesn't just casually look at anything he just takes it on as a full study <laughs> so it, it it in itself it, it I was surprised in when I did finally start asking questions and checking into them or the book that we're looking at is probably less probably about a half inch thick okay I expected something about two inches deep to cover everything that I had actually expected of him okay so basically getting the book isn't a threat because it's an easy read okay and like I said just seeing how he's gonna run us through channel us through his particular take on the biocentrism in itself is just really exciting I'm gonna let uh, you step in here too LOA and some of your thoughts on what did you when you got the book and looked at it and said okay what are we going to talk about here what stirred your interest and what have you found um, about what we're looking at is Dr. Lanza. A bridge, 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 bridge. And then I drew a bridge because when I take my notes, I'll often draw symbols and things that will trigger it quickly. So I'm you know, fully focused, but I've got these little symbols there. And the bridge was drawn and then I remembered it looked like a rainbow. So what it's really showing me is bridges on multiple levels. And the first bridge is the bridge between what we would typically call science, and there is so much about um, both authors, but particular Robert Lanz's in terms of the scientific perspective, as has been shared on that, and I'll, I'll touch on a little more as well. That and what would then, where, where he starts to talk about bio-centric, it coming from the person, how you look at the world is what's influencing what's out there which we've heard a lot from the spiritual side. So then I see this again as a bridge between some pretty hardcore science, as Marianne has shared, Marianne shared as well, but this is about, you know, hardcore, like cloning things of, um, of interest too in terms of that bridge is he's got the hardcore science 
he's bridging that with what would typically be seen more as um, the quantum or what people used to call new age. I think we've even grown out of new age now as a term. Um, but that was that idea that, oh, it's, you know, if you think it and feel it, it will come, but it was not grounded in science. So this is that bridge that grounds again in science. The other bridge is he takes ideas into doing this and looking again at the uh, what's been done, things like cloning an endangered species. And I think this would be exciting to look at things like this in the book because there are so many potentially controversial uh, viewpoints on this. And I love it when we have something where we can have a different viewpoint. I might have a viewpoint on the use of embryonic stem cells. I'm sure everyone has a viewpoint on them. And having a book like this and having a forum for discussion, I think one of the things that is missing most in the world is that ability to have a place where you can have different perspectives and share them. So I think it would be quite dynamic to discuss the topics that are raised in that idea that it's the theory of everything has been promised forever, but within that, they just found that 96% of things that are unknown and called dark matter and called other things now as well. But what it does is, as you said, the more data that we got, the more we tried to make it materialistic, the more we tried to look at the smallest piece, the more we just realised we were trying to manipulate our theories to fit what we were seeing, but it wasn't fitting. And I, I recall myself when I was at uni, the, the model that they showed you for chemistry of what an atom looks like was different from the model they showed you when you're in physics of what the atom looks like. Yeah. So just because it works for us doesn't mean that's how it is. And I think this is an exciting book that it's going to just say it's not about just collecting data and trying to manipulate it to fit our theories. Let's just take a step back, take a breath, and allow there to be an observation and this embodying that as you see it, you make it, which is so powerful. And that's the other bridge that this is taking science and everything else that's out there and bringing it to every person who's on the call, every person who gets the book, it becomes you personally. You're that next bridge in how you share and apply this information. I just want to share one other quick thing too. He also made things like when I said he's a doer, he made ambulance cells out of stem cells that went and helped limbs that would have otherwise been um, taken off so they didn't have enough. He made a substance that was then a universal blood that can potentially be used to save people. He, When I said he cloned, he also cloned one of the rare animals from a frozen skin that was 25 years earlier in a zoo. So we're talking about Jurassic Park stuff, not as just movies, real stuff. So this book, I'm sure just from that beginning, this book is going to be things that you'll go, wow. Yes, I know. And and like you said, to, that I didn't, wasn't going to mention that. I'm glad you did. But to be able to take enough cell life from something that has been frozen for this long and to actually like, I'm, you know, I don't get to see a lot of movies and God knows I don't get to read a lot of books. How I read a book is usually opening a book and actually looking at the contents and looking at the chapters and pick up what I can pick and read from the, the space thing that I can get into with a book. So usually I decide if I'm going to take any time with a book at all, just looking at the contents of the chapters. And this one actually stimulated me right off the bat. But to actually research this man, you you want to know what he's got to say. Seeing all the, the particular things he's lived, you know, like 
being in it, like you said, he's not just talking about it. He's being in it and everything. One of one one of the things I want to share with our listeners is that when we start out with just chapter one, he he says chapter one is called the muddy universe. And he has little captions like most writers do before they start. They have a little quote in front. And I love this one. The universe is not only queer than we suppose, but queer than we can suppose. Okay. And that was actually by John Halden. Okay. So to actually know that a man is starting his book with the very first chapter saying that the universe is so queer, so unusual, so out of sync with whatever we already think we know. I mean, you, of course, you're going to just drink the first chapter and run over to the second chapter. But to begin to look at that and to see that the whole way he presents his book is that he's introducing us to new views of the universe. And when you think about what he brings to it, okay, this man has cloned a being. He has cloned life is a being. And then we have to deal with us, the listeners, we have to deal with our own concepts of what we see as spiritual truths or religion or our beliefs of life. And like I said, I've, I've run into so much controversial response from people who just trying to share with them some of the Anunnaki thoughts on how we were created. A body was created by science, not by some mystical view we have of spirituality. It is a very practical science, and our body has been created through that. So to see a person coming through to help actually talk to us that has had time to take a cell and duplicate it to the point of a form, to clone life. And in the cloning of life, even when I, I years, oh, good 40 years better back, actually associating with a group of scientists that were cloning human beings, actually stopped talking about it because of the public reaction, but did not stop the research of it. The first clone they made was a sheep. And seeing the beautiful physical outcome of their clone, everything about the sheep was just as beautifully perfect as anything that had come from the mother of a sheep, actually be it born through the process, okay? And knowing that this one came out of the test tube, I looked very in-depth to every cellular part of this animal to make sure there was nothing I could detect. And not only myself, but a lot of sensitives and seers that do have contact with other particular means of analyzing something to see if anybody could find something that would say it you would never you know you would know the difference because of this or that there was none nobody could find any the perfection of that clone was no different than the the lamb that come from the mother's womb okay and then to actually see that there the research for that was going into human possibilities and actually seeing, which is going on today, no matter how much you're not hearing it, I can tell you involved in it, it's going on to where the science has come to where they can actually clone a heart, a kidney, or whenever we're needing the replacement of body parts. Okay, even that some people can't understand, and there are religions that forbid that but that we can actually clone a perfect liver, a perfect heart, and that we can replace the war, the wear and tear of time on the body. 
you have to understand that when I see biocentrism and I see what Lanza's taken us into this book, I realize I'm expecting that he's going to help us understand the reality of how that's right there in our front yard. We haven't opened the door yet. Okay. That we are looking to actually seeing a time to where when you went into the hospital, you could get a rebuild. You could just like you do when you take your car in and they can put a new engine in it. Okay. And we as beings, spiritual beings, trying to find something that we can depend on that gives us some assurance of a hereafter or a purpose for it all. I think for it, it might know in my own interest to, to, to actually have some kind of equation or answer to what was it all about? You know, the why are, are we here? The what am I? And then to see what that, how that involves in time, space, matter, trying to get a hold on, you know, what you see as an everyday life of a human being. And then to understand all of this enormous, enormous science that's going on, all of this enormous discovery that we have. The, that actually understanding the what we are and the how it is that we move along. We have to be willing to accept that along with our spirituality, okay? I, I tell you I don't find any difference in that, and I realize that one of the things that looking up on Dr. Lanza is that he's very much into the oneness, the actual saying that we have that we are one, that this actually be a bottom line for him. I'm really very excited to learn how when reading this book, he comes to that because that is a major to me, the oneness that we are, to look at each each of my co-hosts, to, to have a, a, an ability to close my eyes and see you as our listeners, knowing that you are a reflection of me, that you're just another me. And how does our mind child allow us to digest that? We can say it. We can almost find peace in the wording of it. But how do we feel about it? How do we accept it? Are we feeling the reality of that? And the best way to test that is to work it with somebody you don't like. You know, it's very easy to accept that you love somebody and you appreciate them and you admire them and all those things. Okay, but it kind of blows a hole in that belief when you have to deal with that likeness being someone you totally disapprove of. So I'm interested in how, with all the cloning experience and my own interest in how we have to change our understanding of how human was created and how, if anything, that that applies into the consciousness of forever. Because I do accept that there's an everlasting and I do ex totally have the knowing that we never cease to exist. Energy cannot be destroyed or resolved. It is a forever and an ongoing. So I understand that in my understanding of life and death. And I'm very excited to see how he takes that and where we go from that. So I'm really hoping that many of you get right on the phone today and order your book or run over to the bookstore and get your copy. Because I feel that that adventure with you going through this book is going to be a tremendous ride. Okay. Any of you, the co-hosts, have you, any of you read maybe the first chapter or two already? I have forbidden. <laughs> to do that because I want to. <laughs>
I want to yeah. do each week, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> This is LOA and not this book, but the, there's another one called Beyond Biocentrism, and I listened to that some time ago as an audio book. So I'm really interested to be in this one, which is really the one that sets the scene for that. Uh, so, yeah, I can, I can, I can feel there's going to be some strong parallels in in that book. Have you have any of you checked to see does he have any particular recordings on YouTube or anything that we can have our listeners check out? Absolutely. And it, well, he's he's got a lot of um, this is Trina again. He's got a lot of articles and um, different. There are some recordings that are available when you when you Google him. And what got me really excited about both of these authors, actually, is that they're both adjunct professors at universities, which means the universities invited them to come in. They're not full-time employees there and stuff. They're, they've been invited in in order to be parts of programs and things. And between the two of them, they've written so many books. They've written so many, you know, thousands of articles. They've understood, they, they're just curious and they keep finding more and more information that they want to impart out to people. So people have a better understanding of who they are and what the universe is like. And some of the things, there's some videos about um, uh, from conferences and he's got one that's called Rethinking Our Insanely Improbable, Improbable Universe. He's got another one that's the theory of biocentrism. And um, he's got another one called What Are Space and Time? So there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there, but the more I started learning about these two authors, the more I was just thinking, wow. I mean, you've got Bob Berman, who's actually responsible for the astronomy section in the old farmer's almanac, and how many people actually go out and buy that every single year so that they can figure out what what they need to do. And that publication's been around for, I don't know, hundreds of years, I suppose. And He's got his columns. He does a TV, uh, a radio show on public radio. And then Robert Lanz is always, um, he's always diving in. He's got other books like One World, The Health and Survival of the Human Species in the 21st Century. Now, if I mean, I'm curious now. It's like, well, what do we need to do to be healthy and survive in the 21st century? So, so many of these ideas that are coming through between the two of them, they're both amazing thinkers and yeah. they think they just think outside the box. And when, when he begins his introduction, he says, our understanding of the universe as a whole has reached a dead end. Yes. And the big bang theory, how he comes at the big bang theory and, and, and some of his other productions are great too. And in, yeah. in, in as much as what we're looking at sharing with you, the many books that are out on that, you know, each each week when we come with, with a book and we talk to you about it, for me, it's just a matter of someplace in your life, I want to turn a page with you. And I want the next page to be what you were looking for, the next page to have the answer to whatever is puzzling you, whatever has stopped you from going forward and accepting the enormous intelligence in what you are. And the importance of that, because it's so easy in in all that we're doing. And, and like I said, with him teaching this uh, universe, uh, any kind of university that would actually 
invite him to come. I would, that's a, you know, that's, that's a particular institution of education. I would hope all of our young people could be in because obviously they're open-minded enough to not trying to stuff down your throat, whatever the old, old school and the, the whiskers have actually put out. So innovative people like this coming to the universities and, and introducing this to our young is powerful. But to actually know that he's never, none of them are settling for that. The many books that are out there, and when I hear how books are going to become extinct and that, no, books, my books are treasures. They're my friends. Any book that I have that I have read that was any point of life changes has become part of my life. It's in my bookshelf. And it, it becomes a part of me. If I give one away, I actually feel that I have now bonded and given a piece of myself to somebody. So I don't, I, for me, books will never become extinct. And technology and reading them on the internet or on the phone does not take the place of having my hands touch the book. You know what I mean? There's an intimacy there for me. So books will always be a part of me. But at this point in time to... For us to look at actually starting out with our exploring and venture with Dr. Lanza with bioexcenticity, that that anyone that would come to a place to question and challenge the ignorance that that still dwells in the textbooks, in the in the strongest universities that we offer our young people, and to know that they still waste a part of their precious life studying something that we already know is not real. It just blows me right out, okay? And uh, these days I don't accept too many invitations to speak at any of the universities unless I'm at a university that's actually in research and development. Because at this point, nothing that we can offer them in the institutions of learning is real. Uh, I have endorsed actually homeschooling children and my own grandchildren because of the fact you, if you're putting a book in front of them, you're already impairing them, that it's actually in the research and the development to give them documentation and research is to create, stimulate them to fulfilling that research themselves. So for me, I expect that this book will give me greater and more ammunition to go at that. So anybody else got some particular sharings you want to do on the book? Anybody? What I like, this is Marianne from Melbourne. What I like about him is that he seems very ethical. Like everything he's doing is for enhancing life. Like just the fact that he put time into helping people regain vision um, from certain, um, I guess, diseases that, that take away the... Um, the retinas function and he used stem cells to actually help people see better, but also reduce the um, length of time it would take them to have the dystrophy in the eyes. So it just seems like everything he does comes from a really beautiful place. Um, even the um, gaining stem cells from embryos, he's he found a way to do that without destroying the embryo itself. So it's just just very, very ethical human that's what I, the sense i get out of just looking at his i got life. to see an interview of, of that a friend one of the scientists i work with actually has sat and had interview a con what he called a conversation not an interview and one of the things that come out of that was exactly what you're saying because when he in conversations about how he's come to know this 
and uh, you know how famous he had become. He was actually offended that my friend used the word famous. He said that is so so not why any of anything I know was never about me being famous. And if anything ever would impair me from writing and continuing to share would be someone thinking I'm doing this purely to be about myself. And like he said, everything that he knows and he's explored was always about giving to the the actual humanity a greater understanding of ourselves. And and to, and there was so much ethical truth in him that while we're saying, you know, he's the author of all these books, how famous he is, how much he's in, all of that he explained was the actual exploration of himself, finding himself. And that in that, all he ever wanted was truth, that he he could never involve sharing something or presenting something that he did not have the personal experience of saying, this is worth you knowing. And I just thought that how how many authors just write a book so that they can have their name on the book and actually they copy so many of what everybody else says just to say they have something. I mean, and to realize here's a man that don't want to put anything on paper that he has an experience, knows about. That's the difference between the person who is shallow and the person who has wisdom. If you've experienced it and you can put your name on it and say you know it, then you got a right to teach it. Okay. So with that, you're right about the ethics. This man truly resonates a, a almost a nobility in how he does that. You know, I agree with that. Just absolutely pure. And it gives me gives me such a a sense of uh, affection, I guess I could actually say what I feel is an affection for him already, just understanding that. That was beautiful. Okay, anybody else got some point? Yes. Um right now there's a, a term that's being bandied about called the Anthropocene, meaning that the earth is being changed because of humans' activities. Like in the past, they would say it was a climate or it was a meteor or there was a extended dry time or the sea levels rose or different things. But they said this this is what if you if in some time in the future one looks at the earth's crusts and measures things and fossils and extinctions and all those normal scientific things, the greatest influence is human. So that's the anthro part. And that there were really people are saying, well what's the solution to the Anthropocene? How do we move out of out of that? Particularly for those of people who've had religious upbringings that say uh, that's been interpreted as we are here to use the resources. And I've just spent time again with First Peoples of Australia and really that's that we don't, it's not about our rights, it's about our responsibilities. So I really see biocentrism, because it says it, is it's more than an ethical viewpoint of seeing that all life, all life has you know, inherent value, not a tree is valuable because it's this much lumber. It has inherent value. It's a tree. It's a being. It's a life form. So I'm really seeing that biocentrism, this is a perfect time. It doesn't matter that the book was written you know, a decade and a half ago. This is the time for it to really come forward because we're needing right now some solutions of how we balance this period of time that's been called the Anthropocene. I know, and and what and in my exploring of this, especially listening to that interview, one of the things he said left me. I, I when I, I had to actually shut it off and sit with it for a while. Is because what I understand of what he said is what his beliefs. I know 
that in my tradition, we acknowledge our ancestors. And like when uh, you guys were with me and we went over to New Zealand and we were working with the natives, indigenous people there, they actually have a house that they call the house of the ancestors. And they, the you actually have to be greeted by the ancestors before they'll let you into their community. I don't know if you two remember that, but that's where we were at New Zealand. To know that ancient people already know that. And then to hear him saying, that what he knows from the stem cell uh, development and involvement that he's had is that in a single cell in our body, every being, every human being that existed before our time is still there. That the, the foreverness or when spiritually we seek to have an everlasting, an, an afterlife comes from the fact that we are present in all time. There is no past. There is no future. The now that we talk about, and he said that we seem to not be able to grasp yet, is the fact that we are, we, me, you, and he said that to the enemy, we are present in everything that was in the past. We're present of everything will be in the future because it would not ever be of time or matter if we were not present. And I sat with that because I've had, I've had things that's come up in my my way of doing things that's allowed me to feel time periods like uh, I can identify with time periods uh, sometimes in watching a movie in the past or something and it would be about you know the 1400s or the kings and all those people or even the time before time kind of movies I could sit there and have an experience of knowing not just feeling but knowing what it was like to be there and I felt with what he shared there that that just comes to make so much sense. And as you and I are studying the things that we're studying and teaching all three of you with me, we explore the consciousness as the foreverness of what we're talking about, that that's our past, present and future, right? The consciousness. And he didn't use the word consciousness, but definitely it was the presence in every single cell, the, the he talked about them as being trillions and another term of mathematics I don't remember, but was how enormous the number of cells that it take that make up what we call our body. And that in each one of them is the perfection of the wholeness of what our body is, and that that encompasses everybody in that particular DNA line. And that in the beginning, if we go back far enough, there is actually only the one DNA and that humanity has been created through that one DNA. He gets off into a lot of the deep stuff. So I'm hoping that in the book, he comes to some of that. But it was about trying to help get a, get a, you know, get a point to where we can understand what we're saying when we all spout off about oneness, you know, it's just, it's just, if we can hurry up and grasp this before we actually begin to destroy ourselves and our planet, this beautiful planet, and to know that we have that in us to actually make better choices. Yeah, I see the hope of that in this book. And like I said, I hope our uh, our listeners are going to get excited over what we're sharing and get that book and come with us that we need, we each individually need to contribute. This is me saying that, but my feelings is that we need to each contribute to the best we can of thinking it and being it and allowing it then to move out into the field. 
so that it can touch others and begin to build itself. And I don't, I don't, and I never have believed that we will end our existence with just insane war and killing of each other. And when we listen to the news and you listen to the what, everything that's going on and what is being done, this time of insanity has been prophesized. And uh, I'm hoping at some place in this book that he comes to helping us understand how that'll work itself out as well. Okay, so we still have a few minutes here. Anybody else? Trina, you have something else you would like to add? There we go. Um, yeah, there is another little piece in, in the introduction that he talked about. What, And he really invites us to open our minds to a new perspective. And I know we've talked about, you know, when you learn something new, you're not the same old person that you were before. And, you know, really the essence of life is change. Is, is change. And you keep moving, um, you keep changing, you're still alive. If you don't allow that in, then you're kind of dying. And so he's saying, here's a new perspective. Take a look. We've been studying so much about the physical world and actually lifeless properties in the physical world to try and explain the universe and how the universe was created. And now it's like, okay, let's change our perspective and let's really look at it from the point of view of life and consciousness as being what is creating it. And that these physical, these other properties are a piece of it, but the bigger driving force is outside. And I love the fact that this is coming from a doctor and someone who's been studying the, you know, like really the biology of who we are and what is the human body capable of and what are human beings capable of. And he's bringing this out with a new idea that can really revolutionize the way medicine is handled the way we look at the way the universe was created and what we as humans truly are capable of doing so i just think that this is um this is something to pay attention to and he said the last century was the century of physics and now we're moving into the century of biology and so let's really take a look and combine all of those things because the more we look at something from all these different angles, the more understanding we we um, retain or we begin to to learn a whole lot more about ourselves. And so, and his he does have a website also, which is called robertlanzabiocentrism.com. And that you can find all kinds of articles and recordings on on his own website. So you can check him out even more. That's great. But one of the things that's real important here for us to remember, okay, is in the discovery of this, one of the, the we, we just finished a book, which we, we all got a great deal of, of just enjoyment out of, was Dying to Be Me by Anita Borjani. And one of the, the scientists I work with, a very beloved older man, he's already in his mid-90s, had said to me, there could be no better book for you to go to now following Morjani's book than Biocentrism. That if that book led you to want to know more of how we are presently in the state of death and life being the same, 
he told me we will find the truth of that in biocentrism. So that in itself excited me. And it's like, wow, if that, that this gives us the whole big picture of it. It's just wonderful. And the fact that the more we can actually understand that whatever it is we fear in death is just extension of what we have come to actually find in life. And that doesn't mean the bad or the fearful parts of it. It means the moments of love and truth and the, the sincerity of what we can be as a being. And so I'm very excited at us finding out how we can actually find this as an extension of understanding that. Because Morjani gave a beautiful opening for people to move away from fearing death as an outcome to anything that could possibly be different or strange to them. And to understand that we can actually live in the consciousness that we would be expecting or think can only happen through death. That one and the same is, is the fact that the only thing that changes is the body. And then I then we have to go back to uh, Dr. Uh, Deepak and uh, other doctors of science and research who's told us over and over again, we're not the body. Okay, well, biocentrism is supposed to tell us even more of how real that is, is that the body is just a temporary level of experience. And in it is where all of the insanity that we're trying to change exists. So that kind of helps me know as long as we're working with understanding that, we can actually make the changes for the world. Okay, anybody else got some more you want to add? It, it, this is Marianne. It makes me think that our perceptions, our sense perception, our five senses, we hold so real, like they're the fundamental truth and we use them to understand our reality. But I think what he's pointing at is that they're just perception and that actually beyond them, um, they're not the ultimate reality. There is a greater consciousness that expands that. That's the effect of the consciousness rather than the cause of our experience. So I look forward to seeing how he's worded that and how he helps us understand that. Um, the other thing that stood out for me is that when I was reading his bio and the start of the book, I realized um, there was a movie, Grandmother, actually you had us watch a while ago called um, Transcendence Yes, um, with Johnny Depp. Yeah. And where it's where his consciousness goes into basically machinery that helps people regrow limbs and all sorts of things. And there's a oneness of that consciousness. So it just reminded me of that when I was reading about uh, Robert's um, bio. I thought I was thinking of you, grandmother, because you seem to so love that movie and put us on to that movie. Yes, and I think that we, we can thank some of our Hollywood brothers and sisters who have actually helped give us movies to somehow or another in a movie, the storyline can actually be there to change a person's life. And in, in what you just talked about is how I've worked with people who can actually, they, they don't do seances, but there are some scientists that I know that work with what is called white noise which means people who have left the body and are in the pure state of energy and consciousness can actually work through technology and can communicate through the computers. And so basically, a lot of you understand and know that my middle son, Anthony Jr., died last February. And I've had a year of just as intelligent as I know myself to be 
to understand the grief that I felt has been a totally new eye awakening for me. And the relationship between mother and child has come to be an enormous awakening. Whilst I feel I have always had a wisdom with it, nothing matches what the relationship with this son has given me in his death. And I needed because of the fact that as a seer, I can communicate with the other side real easy and not understanding and had to actually have another loving person help me see that I was the one that was shutting off his reaching back for me. Somehow or another in the grieving process that we do, we bring on what we what whatever we feel we could have done. I mean, the, in, in any situation, the body mind immediately will take the defensive of knowing and hanging to the negative. And with me, it, I immediately went to all the things that I could have done that would have changed this. Not allowing that what I teach is that each of us make that decision at that moment of life and death. And that I have seen such witness of that when a person's body was so destroyed, there was no possible way of expecting they would still live through it. They have. And to know that some people just fell over a nail and died. Okay. So that choice is made. And I, I don't, I don't argue with that, but the grieving process of Anthony's death and what he was to me and all those things. I had a, I had a horrible time. I still have not passed it. Maybe some of you that are, are definitely empaths are picking that up and, and looking at that. But very recently I sat with myself and said, you got to let this go. You know, whatever that is, you have, look at the months you have carried this. You've got to look at this and say, what is that? And in doing the way I clear my body, mind stuff, looking at that, I, I felt that I had come to some point to where I was willing to leave it up to him. That no matter, in no way and no how, there was no way I wanted anything in the universe to actually feel that I had ever been okay that he passed. I wanted that how how many times I know I have saved life. How could this happen? I mean, I went through all that craziness. And in that moment, this beautiful thing that we're seeing here with Lonza's work, in that moment of transcending past all of that, I just turned it back over to him. And, and knowing in my heart that where he's at now, not having to deal with body mind. He knows the depth of the love. Immediately, I was in the bathroom. I had taken a shower and I had done everything, left my phone on the bedside table. And as I come out of the bathroom and everything, the phone pings like when you get a message. And when I picked the phone up, okay, there was definitely on my phone, his picture, which had to come out of my photographs. And a, a text message that I had sent to him when he was alive. And that what I understand from technology and my ninja friend told me, something had to go into separate parts of what your phone is, the photographs, as well as the history of a text message, and pull them together to put them on the face of your phone. And that would only have to be consciousness, grandmother. And to know that we 
what can you say is possible and impossible, right? So it's like looking at that, when I sat down on the side of the bed looking at that, I knew that he let me know, get over this. There's where, where it's at and where I'm at is exactly where I need to be. And to allow that to happen, that there was nothing I needed to have done. And that we have to look at how we resist acceptance of oneness, how we argue with all of these new concepts that are coming at us, that we're not willing to allow the body to give up the fact that it doesn't rule the choice. There is an intelligence that we can pull from. And that if we will just learn to handle the emotions and shut it off, and allow this pure essence of intelligence to merge forward, how much more we can expect of what the world is. And I feel that what Lanza's doing, especially uh, per perfectly putting together a way to show us the center of the universe is each of us. And yet each of us is a part of a whole. And that wholeness is what will deliver us. And so when we separate ourselves with colors and textures of hair and ways of talking and, and the way our eyes look and how we wear clothes and how we worship and how we're divided by countries and lines, invisible lines upon the face of the mother, those are the physical things of body that we are here transforming. And people like this giant, Dr. Lanza, has actually done the headwork for us to see that we can take what he's saying, read this book, and apply it to us moving forward to knowing that we are the center of that universe, actually accepting that we have the ability to change in ourselves, And when we change ourselves, we change everything else. It's not about getting up and going out in the world and doing it. It's about sitting in the silence of ourself and finding it. And then with that, moving into that perfect understanding of the magnificence of humanity. I think I'm on my soapbox, you guys. I get all excited about this and start walling off on everything and go for it. So we're going to close now. I think we've got our hour. I heard my little ding thing go off. Okay, so we're going to say we're going to close. But I'm asking the definite, again, listeners, get your book, Biocentrism, and join us next Wednesday at the same time as we go into actually discovering and traveling through the pages of this master's book. And for you, my co-host, thank you so much for being with me. You're great beauties. Love you very much. OCO. Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash quantum hyphen leap. Have a great week.